Here at Walking with Jesus, we wanted to hire a celebrity spokesperson to help promote our podcast. But the only one we could afford was Donald Duck. And it turns out, Donald Duck is a terrible spokesperson. Thanks for walking with us. My name is Patrick Nugent. On June 23, 2019, I started walking with Jesus. Come hear my story and the story of so many others whose lives have been changed by their walks with Him. Come walk with us. Friends, today's episode is something I can't wait for you to hear. I was able to sit down with my friend Hope and hear the incredible story of her walk with Jesus. God pulled me out of death. I mean, Jesus pulled me out of darkness and He cleansed me and He has made me a total different person today. If you're willing, if you surrender, if you're willing, God will pick you up and He will dust you off and He'll make you better than you could ever imagine. You know, there's not anything that you could do that is so horrible that God's not willing to forgive you and use you. His grace is beautiful. With Jesus by her side, Hope has waged war on the battle of drug addiction and every attack that has been thrown at her. I don't feel shame to say that I've done these things anymore. I don't feel shame to say that I was raped, that I was beaten, that I was a prostitute, that I stole, that I, you know, that I did horrible things because God's used me to, to bring other people to Jesus and to transform their lives. And so it doesn't feel like a horrible thing anymore. It feels like, you know what? Unfortunately, it's sad that my gift of desperation had to take that far to get there, but God's using me to help other people, and I'm so grateful for that. It's such a beautiful feeling to feel God's grace. It's a beautiful story, and if I need to apologize for throwing some humor there at the beginning, I pray you'll forgive me. Last thing, before we get started, if this story or any others moves you, please share our show with your friends. We love you all. Thanks again for walking with us. I am so excited to be sitting here today with Hope Vieskis. Hope and I attend church together, and as we were kind of talking and praying together, we discovered that she has a story that needs to be told. It's a story that glorifies God and His work in her, uh, very similar to my own story of coming to Jesus as an adult. And so I wanted to invite her. I invited her. She prayed about it, said yes. And so thank you so much, Hope. Welcome. We're thank glad to have you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Would you like to introduce yourself besides the name that I just gave? Um, well, um, I'm Hope. Um, I'm from Texas. Um, of course, now I'm in Michigan, but that's a whole, <laughs> that's part of the story. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, I'm a social worker for um, a nonprofit organization that helps families in crisis. Um, I'm married and I have a daughter that's 23 years old. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, Hope was a little late today. Those of you listening, it doesn't matter um, because you won't know there's no time associated with this. But Hope was a little late today because she was literally assembling the last pieces of a puzzle. Would you share a little bit about what your passion for puzzles is? Well, it's really became kind of like a coping mechanism um, early in recovery from uh, drugs and alcohol. Um, I, you know, I came up with different things to help cope with that and um, puzzles became one of them. And when I finally got an apartment, I uh, started doing them because I, I glue them and I frame them. So I'm decorating my house with them. So, <laughs> And the one I saw is a Star Trek puzzle, yes. but not your first Star Trek puzzle. No, like 
Um, that was another thing that became a big thing in uh, my recovery was um, um, the original series and the next generation. Huge Star Trek fan. I watch it all the time. Um, I'm decorating my house with it. In fact, our pastor's wife, Heidi, was like, I hope your husband likes Star Trek. And I'm like, he's never <laughs> even seen an episode. Oh, well, you know what? The two of you will have something incredible to, to share. Our first question as we get things kicked off is tell us a little bit about who you were before you started your walk with Jesus. Well, you know, I grew up and actually I grew up in a very religious home. Um, my dad was a deacon at our church. Oh. Um, my mother died when I was seven, but my, my stepmother, they both took us to church every Sunday. We didn't um, get bused to church and mm-hmm. it was a big part of our life. In fact, um, to this day, when I think I'm trying to find a book in the Bible, I sing it because my mother made us listen to we sing Bible songs till we were 18 in the church, in the oh. car. <laughs> so um, I grew up in church and, um, you know, I think I accepted Jesus very young. I don't know if I was quite ready for that. I think it might've been more because my mother had just passed away. Um, but um, from, you know, a young age, I really never felt um, very, I guess, comfortable in my own skin. Mm-hmm. I, I was, I didn't feel like I fit in very well. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I started using drugs and alcohol um, at a young age, predominantly drugs. I never cared much for alcohol, but, um, you know, started, you know, partying with friends and stuff. And the more I started living that life, the more I kind of, um, you know, I turned away from God Yeah. because it wasn't yeah. really, um, I couldn't be one of those people that came to church on Sunday using and, and then partying on the weekends. Like I didn't feel that that was fair to represent uh, Jesus in that way. So I kind of just completely quit going to church. Yeah. Um, but of course, the more drugs and alcohol I used, that led me into, you know, having sex with boys at a young age. And the more things I did like that, the more I hated myself. So the more I used drugs. Mm. Um, but I was really at first very, um, I was very good at, I guess, functioning. Like, I don't really believe there's a functioning addict. I think I just was like a better liar than most people. Mm. But I was able to graduate from college and I had a lot of good jobs um, but really, um, the focus of my entire life was really about drugs. Um, so, you know, I was, um, I would say by the end of the time that I was using drugs, um, I was not the kind of person that you see today. Like my whole life was centered on how to get more drugs. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I became like a person that was really like horrible, Like I sucked the energy out of anybody and everything that I could to feel good about myself. You know, like it was just like this constant need for everyone to make me feel good. And I just used people and I was around people that constantly would give me that affirmation and drugs was a part of that. Um, Yeah, it was, I was not a very good person. When you say, you know, I worked, you were able to hold down a job and all that. Did you find yourself just working to afford your habit? Is that really kind of what work was for? Well, at first it wasn't like, I kind of actually identified my whole, um, being around my work, you know, like, and I was, I had, I had unhealthy boundaries then too. I would work 120, 130 hours oh a week. My. Like I just yeah. could never say no. And, um, but you know, by the end, I would say that that is the only reason I worked was because I needed money to get drugs and I didn't want to have to do other things to get them, which ended up happening after, you know, because once the drug addiction got so, um, so when I got so deep into the drug addiction, you know, I started doing things with, at, that employers would not be happy with and, you know, lost a lot of really good jobs that um, would have been really good careers. And that made me even feel worse because I wasn't raised that way, you know. Right. And so, um, yeah, but by the end of my drug use, it was just everything was about getting more. Hmm. Hmm. 
And uh, you just recently celebrated a clean date anniversary. Would you mind sharing that with us? How long have you been clean? So, um, yeah, on the 8th, I celebrated 20 months. That's so awesome. Congratulations. I was very excited about that. My daughter honestly didn't think there would ever be a time that she would see that. The longest I had ever stayed clean was the nine months I was pregnant with her. And, you know, I used up to when I found out I was pregnant. And then literally days after she got home, I was already using again. Um, So, you know, and I and I really didn't think it was a problem. Mm -hmm. Like, I really thought everybody else had the problem and it wasn't me. Yeah. Um, But, you know throughout my drug use, um, you know, it got really extreme. Um, so, you know, I used successfully, um, for a long time and then it got to a point where I started using harder and harder drugs. And, um, you know, I had went through a big spout of time where I was using, you know, cocaine and heroin and stuff, but I finally got off of that. I got on Suboxone and I thought I was good, you know? Um, and then I ended up, um, using methamphetamines again. Um, but this time it really took a toll on mm-hmm. my life. You know, I uh, lost my career. Um, and then I had to move back to my hometown and, um, it was really bad. I, uh, essentially the best way I can say it is, you know, I was blessed enough to have my parents ha- old house. And by the end, I'd pretty much turned it completely into like a trap house. Um, wow. it had been raided. The police had been there multiple times. There was no running water. Um, and I was living like that. And um, after I lost my job there and wrecked my second vehicle, being high on drugs, um, I got to a point where I was literally prostituting myself to buy drugs. Mm. And um, my daughter and her husband, they were really kind enough um, to come get me. Well, they met me halfway, but they they let me go to Ohio to live with them. Um, they lived in base housing at the time um, because my son-in-law was in the military and they agree. They said I could live with them, but no drugs. And I really, really intended on that being the case. But of course, that's not what happened. Yeah. Um, and so it, it just was really bad. And, um, you know, there was this gentleman that I was using with regularly um, that I talked my daughter into letting him come to Ohio when he got out of jail. Um, and that, that was really um, a dark time in my mm. life. He, um, Um, he was just not a very, you know, I don't want to say that he's in, he was an active addiction. So he had a lot of his own problems and, and me and my husband are working very hard to forgive this individual and to actually see the blessing because it really led to my gift of desperation. Mm-hmm. So we, we pray for him. Yeah. But, um, you know, I really had thought that he had been doing some things that were not, you know, appropriate and, um, and being the fact that I was extremely sexual active and when you're on methamphetamines, you don't really care you're not thinking about what you're really doing. Yeah. Consequences. Right. Yeah. Right. So, you know, um, you know, I was under the impression by a girl that I used with in Texas that he may have been filming me while we were having sex and, and doing some other things Mm. like that. Um, and possibly overdosing me and letting other people have sex with me. My goodness. And, um, but I didn't want to believe that. Like I just, I could not believe that that was the case. So I really, when I let him come to Ohio, it was really under this, like craziness that I was going to prove that this didn't happen or that it did happen. I just needed to know. Hmm. And, um, during my drug addiction there, it got, um, extremely, it got worse, you know, like he he was constant. I I don't know. It was just crazy. I was constantly trying to prove he was doing something wrong. And, um, he went to jail and what was really like the turning point of all of that was the fact that his, um, 
his um, half brother had contacted me and this was like the one person he said he trusted in the whole world. Mm -hmm. And he contacted me and he said, listen, I don't know you, but you really need to get this guy out of your house. And I said, why? I kind of heard some things that maybe happened and he, and I'll never forget it. Like to this day, like my whole like life collapsed at this moment because he said, hope, um, I've done a lot of bad things throughout my days. He was gang affiliated and whatnot. And he said, but, um, you seem like a really nice person and I can't look at you in the face and tell you what he um, did to you. Cause I'm afraid you might kill yourself. Wow. Yeah. And like all of a sudden, all these possibilities of what he could have done that I will never know. Mm-hmm. We're just, yeah, uh, yeah, it was, it was extreme. Was it then that you got clean or has more happened? So more happened than I really started at that point. I had like a nervous breakdown. Um, And by this time, you know, just to let you know how extreme the drug use was, this this is all I did all day, every day for years. I mean, at shooting up, however, you know, um, this is what I did. And, um, you know, I got to a point where I would be watching hours and hours of amateur porn trying to find myself because I don't know what he's done to me. You know, I'm trying to figure out and like just the mental and around that time, I started feeling like um, I was being electrocuted. Like I would start drilling holes in the walls. I thought everyone was trying to kill me. I would be filming my daughter like under the door thinking she was trying to kill me. It was it was crazy. It got um, extremely crazy. Um, and around that time, my daughter and her husband took a weekend vacation and kept, left me in charge of the house. And the people living next door were doing construction work. And I thought that it, they were trying to kill me. And I caught my daughter's house on fire. Oh, my. So, of course, the military police show up and I'm like, I'm good, I, I, you know, and they were I told them basically they needed a warrant. And they were like, you live in base housing. That's not how yeah. it works. This, this is our warrant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See so this they, MP? Yeah. 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 So they walk in the house and um, I'm wearing a bathing suit and snow boots. You know, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Yep. And it's July. And uh, I asked them if they told me that basically out of respect for my husband they, or my son-in-law, they were going to um, let me go to the mental hospital and not go to jail. But um, I asked them if I could go change clothes and they were like, we'll have to follow you up to your room. Well, I, that was not a good idea. I had drugs everywhere. Mm-hmm. So I just said, we'll go like this. And so they took me to the emergency room. And, you know, of course, I tried to explain that I thought this guy or somebody was trying to kill me. But of course, as soon as they did blood work, you know, they saw how much drugs was in my system so that wasn't going to happen so of course they commanding officer called my son-in-law and of course they met me at the emergency room um and they tried to take me home but the hospital wouldn't release me they made me go to a mental hospital for a couple days um and that still didn't stop me yeah so i got home and i immediately started using again and um at this time i had been exploring all these um websites these Uh, for gang stalking. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's like basically people think that the government or like some big corporation has like targeted them and is using like electronic devices to try to kill them. Okay. Okay. And this is kind of where I was at at this point. And so I met this gentleman on a website there and he told me he would um, pick me up and he would take me to my husband. So I guess I need to explain that a little bit. So I've been married for almost 10 years. Okay. Um, My husband... I met, um, I met his family way before I met him. Uh, she, his family actually babysat my daughter when I first moved to San Angelo. I didn't have anyone to watch her. And, um, her, his dad worked at the other, at a drugstore that I worked at and said, my do- my wife will watch her for a couple of weeks while you find a babysitter. And that turned into being like nine years. Huh. And so, um, during that time, um, 
I would work open to close on the weekend. So they offered to take my, they would offer to let Michaela uh, stay the night. And they said they were going to take her to go see their son. Well, I didn't know really at the time their son was incarcerated, but you know, I trust them. So, uh, and shortly after that, um, I got a letter from him saying, Hey, I met your daughter. And so we wrote each other for a very long time. Um, and we ended up getting married, but yeah, he's, he's, he's been in prison, but he's actually, he walks, he's a follower of Jesus and, uh, he's been in recovery for 20, almost 25 years. Wow. So, you know, throughout our marriage, um, and even the time we were just friends, he prayed daily that I would find, I would find Jesus. And we didn't really talk about it that much. Cause I was kind of that jerk that would like really kind of like rag on his, his beliefs. Mm-hmm. Like, how could you believe that? That's not even scientific. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, and so he really, we kind of didn't talk about that very much, yeah. but he prayed not only that I would find uh, Jesus, but also that I would um, quit using drugs. Yeah. And this was a big argument for us because um, I won't get into his crime, but um, one of the agreements, he can, he can only make a living amends for one of for his crime. And one of the agreements that he, he is, you know, made with God and he's followed is that he will never use drugs or alcohol ever again. Sure. And so, um, he's always told me like, if you don't stop using, we won't be able to be together because you know, we'll use, Yeah. but, um, I just kept telling him and I meant it like, well, I'll quit using when you get out, (laughs) but like, that wasn't good for him, but he prayed and prayed and prayed. And so during this time where I'm in Ohio and, and even in a lot of the time that I was in uh, my hometown, I stopped talking to him because I'm not being a good wife. I'm cheating on him. I've got men in and out of the house. I'm using drugs all the time. I'm having to make up all these crazy lies. And it finally just got to the point where I just got tired of lying. So I just, I mean, he would try to get a hold of me, but I just wouldn't answer the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I put him through a lot. Um, And so, yeah, during this whole time in Ohio, I really hurt his relationship with my daughter because they're close and she's not wanting to answer the phone because what is she going to tell him? Like, oh, by the way, this guy's living with your, you know, with my mom. And so it was just a lot of craziness, um, a lot of destruction I did with my active addiction. And um, but yeah, so this guy that I met um, on this gang stalking website told me he would take me to my husband. And I don't know where in my mind I thought it was a rash idea to like jump in a car with somebody who already thinks the government's trying to kill them. And yeah. 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 So the guy drove to Ohio and I packed all my stuff up because I thought I'm going to my husband, you know, and yep. um, and I picked and I got in the car with him. My daughter's like, Mom, this is not a good idea, but, you know, what's she going to do? I'm an adult. Yep. And so we get to Allegan. OK. And we stay there for the night and he decides that we need to go to Ohio. I mean, uh, Iowa. And I'm like, I think we're getting farther away from where my husband could be. He's in Texas, you know? Yeah. So I said, okay. And he said, by the way, I don't have a job and I don't have a car or I don't have a house, but I'm sure together we can figure out how to make some money. So now all immediately I'm starting to feel like this is a very bad, like trafficking like situation. Sure. Um, and so I asked him to please take me back to Ohio. Um, and he wouldn't do that. So he dropped me off at a hotel here, not a very good hotel and left me there. And took my wallet. So you have no money, no vehicle, no way to earn a living in the middle of a state that you don't live in. Right. And no home. You're at a, at a hotel. Right. Then what? So I called my daughter and asked her to come get me. And she said, no. Um, and that takes a lot. I mean, for a 23 year old, her dad's already passed away. He was, Mm -hmm. he was killed. Um, to say, no, mom, I can't, I can't convince you. I can't watch you to continue to do this to yourself. And I have to set some healthy boundaries for me. And she blocked me and didn't talk to me again for another year. 
Wow. So yeah, now I'm at this hotel. Um, my husband calls and I'm like, I'm in Michigan looking for you. And he's like, how did you get to Michigan? And I said, some random guy on the internet picked me up and he was extremely upset. So he said, I, I can't talk to you. Um, I'm going to have to hang up the phone and I'll call you some other time. Um, but it's going to be a while. Mm. So now I'm like really alone. Um, I called my family and they were not willing, you know, they, they were kind of tired of uh, riding this ride with me, you know, so that was not an option. I couldn't go back home to Texas and I couldn't go to Ohio. So now I'm stuck in a hotel with nothing. Um, and all I can say is God really like came full force on this. Um, yeah. And it took a while for me to see it. That's where we're going to go next. Um is how how it came that you met Jesus and how that happened because you know you're in you're in a hotel a motel in Kalamazoo Michigan you're alone you have no place to turn nothing to turn to how does that happen tell me you know you are you still using at this point um yes okay Yes, okay. I had brought some with me. Okay. Um, and, you know, everything got really crazy. Um, first of all, I didn't really understand the dangerous situation I'm in because I don't think if people understand where Kalamazoo is located, we are right between Detroit and Chicago. Yes. So, like, this is a very dangerous trafficking type area. And, yeah. of course, I had no idea um, of the danger I could be in. Sure. But um, I'd left my drugs out. And at this point, I had actually decided I was going to overdose. Like, I had a lot. And I was going to use it all, and I was just going to end it because I didn't know what else to do at this point. Okay. Um, and crazily enough, I went downstairs to smoke a cigarette and to get some ice out of the ice machine. And I came back, and my drugs were missing. I, like, gone. I don't know how because the door was locked, but they were gone. So now I'm sitting there, and I have, you know, no money, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I don't trust anyone to buy drugs from because, you know, as many people know, there's a big fentanyl problem going on here. And yeah. I didn't know who I could trust on this. So now I'm feeling complete despair. Um, so at that point, I decided um, that I was um, going to, that there's a train track right by the hotel. Okay. that I was waiting for the train to go off in the middle of the night. And I was just going to literally like step in front of the train and just that be it. So, you know, I had everything packed up. And about like, I guess it was probably like three in the morning. I heard the bells. And so I, I mean, I ran to this train track and I sat there and the train never came. And at this point I got it. I mean, I was so angry with God. Like I didn't know what to do. I was angry. So I'm literally screaming at like three in the morning to God, telling him to heal me or kill me. And I'm just crying and I don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, I walked back to the hotel and it's funny because, like, there's a homeless guy out there talking to me and telling me this story. And I told him I wanted to die. And it's funny how God uses, like, people in active addiction. He uses people. Cause Messengers. This guy, yeah. Because this guy was like, no, you don't need to do that. Life is not worth that. I know you feel like it is right now, but it's going to be okay. And so I went up to the room. And I'm just crying to God. I get in the bath and I'm just crying and I'm begging him, just heal me or kill me. I just kept saying that over and over again. And literally at that moment, like I felt like a hand touched my head mm. and literally this whole like calming came over me and I could just hear like this voice in my head saying, it's going to be okay. You have to trust me. Mm. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be okay. And, um, I got out of the bath and immediately I just started laughing. Like I was just like 
literally like this joy came over me, um, that it was going to be okay. So, um, the next day was a Sunday and I walked back to where that train track was because there was a church across the street and I walked in and I told the pastor there, I need help. And he said that they hold a uh, 12 step meetings there. And, um, so I started attending meetings, um, and, uh, across from this, this, uh, hotel that I'm staying at, there's this restaurant and it's called Michelle's. Okay. And. The funny thing about this is my husband's wife was killed in a car accident, his first wife, and her name was Michelle. So I'm still looking for signs, you know, so I go to Michelle's because I don't know what else to do. Sure. And they gave me a job um, as a server. Never been a server, but they were, and they were so kind. Uh, they hmm. got me clothes because, you know, I didn't have anything really, you know. Um, and as I stayed clean, the owner of the hotel let me start cleaning hotel rooms there because your pay, like $75 a day to stay in a hotel, and they yeah. don't have weekly rates, but they did let me pay $450 a week. But if you add that up, that's a, a large amount of money. Yes, it is. Yeah. So to work part-time as a server and clean hotel rooms, um, that's what I did to survive. Wow. How and long did you do that? For 10 months. Wow. Um, and the beautiful thing, and this is where it gets so beautiful. Like when I was in Ohio, there was this uh, right across from our house, there's a park and it's a walking park and there's a bridge at the end. Mm -hmm. And like every day I, I would hear this voice telling me to go to the bridge, go to the bridge. And I would walk to this bridge all hours of the night. I thought I was waiting for my husband or something, you know, like I didn't know what I was looking for, but I would sit at this bridge and there was no one there. So I start working at Michelle's and I meet this girl named Kelly and she, you, you can just see like the Holy Spirit in her. She's just like a shining light of Jesus, you know? <laughs> and she said, would you like to go to church with me? And so I was like, sure. So she picks me up for church and we pull up to the church and I see the sign and it's the bridge. And like that moment, like, wow, it was just like an epiphany yeah. of like how good God's plans are. You don't think God will, but he does. He sure does. <laughs> he sure does. And the people that I met at the bridge, oh my gosh, because I mean, like, of course, Kelly's this type of person that sits in the front row. And <laughs> yeah. so you're talking about a drug addict prostitute that's done unspeakable things going to church and sitting in the front row. And Jeff Winky came up to me and it was, it was kind as could be. Yeah. And um, him and his wife have been like um, really, hmm. really kind to me. Um, they didn't, no one here ever made me feel judged. They didn't make me feel like I was a bad person or anything like that. They just treated me completely with love. Hmm. And, um, you know, they, they helped me a lot. Um, and, you know, I met some very wonderful customers at my restaurant that follow Jesus. And they kind of, uh, one couple, um, they, they kind of took me and I call them my surrogate parents. You know, they took me to get my driver's license to, and they knew, um, the people at like Gentry Auto Service, they, they're, they were, they follow Jesus and they, they sold me a car for a reasonable price because I had barely had any money. Yeah. And, and like everybody had just been so kind. Like I met some, like the people here in Michigan, Wow, it's just how how accepting and loving everyone has been and has really helped me. Um, somebody that worked, came to the restaurant regularly had a little house and he he rented it to me and he didn't charge me like first month's rent or any deposits because he knew how much I was paying. And it was small, but I could afford it. And yeah. so I finally got out of the hotel. And I tell you, that time at the hotel was challenging because everyone yeah. around me is in darkness. They're using drugs, prostitution, and I'm cleaning hotel rooms. I would find drugs in there all the time and I'd have to ask someone to come remove them because I didn't want to use. Yep. And, um, good for you. 
And I would literally go walk every twice a day around this hotel, listening to praise music as loud as I could. And I'm literally like raising my hands and I'm singing to Jesus and I'd have people tell me like, shut up. And I'm like, well, don't listen. (laughs) And, you know, and so, and it was, it was a really wild experience. Like I had contacted um, like all kinds of sober living houses and Mm -hmm. treatment centers and nobody would take me. And Mm -hmm. so I sat down and I was like, God, we're going to have to create our own recovery center right here. So, you know, I wrote down all the things that I struggled with. Because, you know, addiction manifests itself in all kinds of different ways. Yeah, yeah. So I knew drugs was a problem. I knew men were a problem. Food, shopping, like me setting healthy boundaries, codependency. And I basically like wrote a list of everything that I needed to do differently than what I was doing before. Right. And so I started doing puzzles for like cognitive reasoning building. I started, doing, you know, cup stacking. Remember when kids yeah, would yeah. do that? I did that for hand-eye coordination. Because I mean, after extensive, I mean, I used drugs for 25 years. Wow. And so even though I had like a, I graduated with honors from the University of Texas and stuff, I done a lot of damage, you know. So that was some of the things that started to do go puzzles, anything I could do to try to help build back up my cognitive reasoning. And, um, you know, I started doing yoga. I would walk um, for exercise. But luckily, you know, it's funny how God works because I was a server and I was cleaning hotel rooms. Like I was able to kind of keep my weight. And that was a big trigger for me because, you know, a lot of people, when you stop using those kinds of drugs. Food. Yes. Yeah. And so it's funny that as much as I hated that, like is exactly what I needed at that time. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so that was kind of what I did. I created my own little program and mm. I... Like the people probably next door hated because I would turn Stephen Furtick on like on YouTube and listen to this while I was cleaning hotel rooms. I'm sure these people <laughs> using drugs in these rooms are like, Sh- turn it off. Yeah. And, like this is, I mean, I just did what I could do that. Or I'd listen to praise music while I was cleaning hotel rooms. So like, and I was, and I started like helping the homeless. Mm-hmm. Like I, um, I would like, um, loaves and fishes would send me a lot of food or other churches would send me a lot of food. And instead of me keeping it all, cause I didn't need it, I would break it up and I would make like goodie bags for like all the homeless that were living in the hotels. I would meet like, a, and because I worked at the hotel, I had a, lot, a sur- surplus of Bibles. So like I would meet people in the hallways and I'd give them Bibles and I, young homeless kids and stuff. And this is the way that I got out of my own head was by serving others and telling them what Jesus had done for me. And, um, and it was, it was wild. You know, my husband eventually called me yeah. and he was like such a, um, you know, it's funny how God works because like he has been such a blessing in my life. Like he really, I didn't really deserve his grace. Like I've done a lot of horrible things and, uh, he was like the one person that had my back and, you know, in early recovery, I was going through such horrible with, um, withdrawals. And I think a lot of it was, a like you start accepting all these things that you have done and all the things that have done to you. And it caused me a lot of trauma. Like um, I would wake up in the middle of the night still thinking I'm getting electrocuted. I'd be slamming my head in the wall. I'd be hurting myself, ripping my hair out. And my husband's like, hope we got to pray. Let's pray. Let's listen to praise music. Let's go on a walk, turn on Star Trek. You know, these are these, we just got to get out of our head. It's going to be okay. Like I know you don't feel like it's going to be okay right now. And I mean, it got crazy. I took my bed apart. Like the owner's like, why is the bed in the corner? I'm like, I'll put it back together when I leave. I promise. Like, cause I, I just didn't know where all this was coming from. And it took probably almost a little over a year for all those withdrawal effects to go away. And for me to be able to deal with, um, some the rapes, the prostitution, um, theft, all the things that I had done that I was completely ashamed of. Cause I was not raised mm. that these were acceptable things. And it took a long time for me to be okay with who I am today. But, um, I really think it was God giving me the gift of desperation and, yeah. and, you know, it took me a long time to understand that's a gift. Yeah. But like for you, like anyone that suffered with addiction, like the gratitude that we have of our life and the way yeah. the Holy Spirit touches us is almost like, I'm not saying other people don't feel that way, but you don't see it. Yeah. In yeah. All, it all manifests people. very differently. Thank yes, you. Yes, for sure. That's the best way I can explain it. Like yeah. I am so grateful to have running water. Yeah. I am so grateful that I don't have to sell my body to buy food today. 
I am so grateful that I'm not having to depend on people to bring me food or take me places because I have a car and it might be like an old car, but it's a car and it runs, you know, and I'm just so grateful to have clothes that like other prostituting girls didn't have to give me in a hotel that I got to pick out and buy and I have money for, you know, puzzles and things and, you know, and like, I'm just so grateful today that I don't have to live a complete life of sin and yeah. get darkness because, you know, that, that lifestyle of, of, of those drugs is, it's like you become a zombie yeah. and literally your whole life is just centered on more drugs, more drugs. Like I can't even watch a horror movie these days because I lived it. Yeah. Like there's, and so everything I do, it's the music I listen to is all uplifting. Um, you know, I, I, I just try to stay with very uplifting things because God pulled me out of death. I mean, J Jesus pulled me out of darkness and he cleansed me and he has made me a total different person today. And, and, as hard as it was, I'm so grateful that I had to go through that because sometimes you have to go through it to yeah. come out clean on the other end, you know? Yeah. I once heard a pastor tell a story about uh, an, an addict that he met. He was randomly on a hilltop praying and he met an addict who had come up to this hilltop to use and, and was like, what are you doing to this pastor? And he said, I actually came up here for some quiet to pray. And I, now I know that I'm not here just to pray. I'm actually here to, to meet you. And, and so now here, this is like 25 years ago. And now this, this person who was on the hilltop to use says, you know, that hilltop is where I met Jesus. That's the place where that I look at with this reverence because it's where I met the savior of my life. And for me, it's my bathroom floor. I was, I was vomiting blood on my bathroom floor and that's where Jesus came to meet me. And I used to look at it really until I heard this pastor's message. I looked at it with this, like I would go into my bathroom and just feel icky. I would go, Oh, I don't, you know, I, I need to redo this bathroom. So I never have to look at this floor again. Right. When I heard that message, I went, you know what? Instead of looking at it as gross, I need to look at it as the turning point that this was the place where I met the savior who saved me, who pulled me out of that addiction to say, yeah, this isn't the way you're going to live anymore. Yeah. But you know, I never thought I'd quit using drugs. Yeah. I didn't want to quit using drugs. And, and I, I, I liked that life. And I never, like when I sat down in this hotel, this was a hotel I wouldn't have spent a day in. Like I was too yeah. bougie for yeah. that, you yeah. know, but like <laughs> all of a sudden my realization hit like, this is where we're at. Yeah. And if you don't change it now, you're either going to be prostituting in this hotel and you're going to get AIDS and you're going to, you know, something horrible is going to happen or, you know, and I just didn't know how to. So that's why I wanted so badly just to die. Like I was, the pain was so great and I am so grateful as hard as this journey has been, um, that it happened because I, I'm a complete different person today, you know, and, uh, God is, God is amazing. Yeah. He is yeah. amazing. He really is. And to anybody out there who thinks that people aren't capable of change, come sit in the room with us for just five minutes. Yeah. You'll hear stories. You know, in, in scripture, God tells us that when we accept Jesus and surrender our lives to him, we get a new set of clothes and we become new people. The, the 90s term was born again, and, it, and it, that became overused and became almost stereotypical and kind of gross to use. But in reality, we are. We are born again. We are rebirthed. As we come out of the water, we are, we are new, and we, are, um, we walk with Jesus, and, that's, and it's different. You think about things different. You handle things different. 
Um, Jeff, the pastor here at, at the church says, by the way, we record in a room in a tiny little room at the very top of the balcony of this church, uh, when I'm interviewing other people. So we are at the very top of this room. Um, and Jeff says, you can walk into this building and from any walk of life, you can be anyone, however you want to be. God will meet you right then, right there in that moment. But you cannot have a, an encounter with a holy God and walk away the same person. Amen. That is, that's, those are his words. And he, that it's just beautiful because he truly, as hope said, he truly does meet people right where they are. And he, Jeff, the pastor here also will, will embrace you no matter where you are in your walk of life. There's no judgment. There's no, um, I mean, he, he won't shy away from calling you out on your sin either. And that's, that's one of the beauties of his strength is, is that he has this incredible strength. I want to shift gears a little bit to ask you, what do you think the biggest myth when you talk to people who aren't believers, which I know in, in your background, in your past, and with everything that you do to help in your community and all of that, you encounter all kinds of people who aren't believers in, in this Jesus and, and who they don't, not only are they not believers, but they think, oh, no, don't even talk about it. What do you think the biggest myth about Jesus is among that group? Well, you know, I think that for me, the biggest myth was that, um, that he couldn't, like I was, I'd gone so far that there was just no changing me. Mm. Like I felt like uh, once you get to a certain point that there's just nothing that, uh, you can't turn around. And mm. I, you know, I believed that for a long time. I believed I had done so many things wrong that it wouldn't matter if I wanted to change today or not. God would not be able to change me and he wouldn't forgive me for what I've done. And, um, yeah, God, if, if you're willing, if you surrender, if you're willing, God will pick you up and he will dust you off and he'll make you better than you could ever imagine. You know, there's not anything that you could do that is so horrible that God's not willing to forgive you and use you. He, his grace is a beautiful. And that was just something that for so long, um, I just felt like I wasn't good enough that there was nothing I could ever do to be changed from the person that I was, or to even be able to be forgiven for the things that I had done. Mm. And now you know that that's wrong. Of course. And yes. that he has forgiven you for all of that. You're not what you were. And tell me a little bit about how that feels for you. Um, it, it's overwhelming. Mm. It's an overwhelming feeling. Um, not only that I'm forgiven, but that God has used those experiences that I have been through to help others. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is just one of the things that if I've noticed reading the Bible, um, God's very consistent. Yeah. His story doesn't change. Like if, if you read the Bible, he is very, you know, yeah, he's consistent. Yeah. And he uses the most broken people to do his work. <laughs> you know, I think the first time my husband and I read Genesis, the whole thing, I was like, this needs a parental advisory sticker. <laughs> like, I, mean, I was like, goodness, this there's some intense stuff going yeah, yeah. on in Genesis. Yeah. But he uses these people, not only uses them, they're in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, he uses these people to do serious things for him. And mm. so um, I don't feel shame 
to say that I'd done these things anymore. I don't feel shame to say that I was raped, that I was beaten, that I was a prostitute, that I stole, that I, you know, that I did horrible things. Um, because God's used me to, to bring other people to Jesus and to transform their lives. And so it doesn't feel like a horrible thing anymore. It feels like, you know what? Unfortunately, it's sad that my gift of desperation had to take that far to get there. But God's using me to help other people. And I'm so grateful for that. Mm. It's such a beautiful feeling to feel God's grace mm. and to feel the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, we were uh, praise and worship um, this last week. And I was literally like, I just didn't even know you could like the Holy Spirit. I thought drugs were good. <laughs> wow. Like I thought I was going crazy. I asked you and Heidi, y'all yeah. both were like, I was like, my skin is vibrating. Like yeah. my hair is tingling. Like I'm literally like my teeth were chattering. Yeah. Like it was so that strong. And yeah. I thought I was crazy. And y'all were like, no, you're no. not crazy. Yeah. This is the way it feels. It, you know, it's funny. I walked with someone across the line of faith, a young man, he's, he's 16 years old. We walked across the line of faith together, prayed together for the very first time for him to surrender his life. And I called my brother after that. And I said, you know, I've tried virtually every drug on the planet and nothing comes close to the way that I felt walking across the line of faith with that young man. Nothing comes close to it. That this feeling that I have, I don't ever want it to go away. And that I never want the Holy Spirit to leave my body again. Like I, I don't, I want to constantly be inviting him in. I like with every breath that I take, I think of uh, number 1622, God, you give breath to all creatures. And so I breathe it in and go, okay, this is a gift from God to, to, to have this breath in my lungs. It is. And it is, it's just incredible. And, you know, I pray for those who don't, you know, I, I feel sad for those who don't get to feel it that way. Yeah. Like, it's just, you know, I pray <laughs> for them. Like, please, I just want them to be able to feel that just once, yeah, you know, yeah. like, and I do, I pray that literally I pray. I don't ever want to lose that feeling. I know I can't feel that every moment of every day, but I don't ever want to get to a point where I don't feel that. Yes. Because yes. that's, it's wow. God is good. Yes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So with that, you, you know, you just said you've, you've prayed with people, you've, you've brought people to Jesus. You've introduced, you've made the introduction. What would you say to somebody who is wrestling with the idea of whether or not they should surrender their lives to Jesus? Well, you know, for me, like for the longest time, I didn't believe in a higher power. Yeah. But like my brother, he's a pastor and he brought it to my attention. He said, hope you already had a higher power. It was drugs. You know, like you gave your life, you were willing to die for it. Mm. And it, that really brought in some perspective. Like I did have a higher power. It just wasn't a good one, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I would just, you know, really suggest to anybody that is struggling with the idea, like just give it a try. Mm. Give it, I mean, give it a try. Yeah. Like you don't want to, I pray that you don't have to wait until your life is in complete shambles before you're willing to give Jesus a try Yeah. because yeah, it gives you a great testimony, but oh, how much smoother life would have been if I didn't <laughs> yeah. need to be, you know, homeless in a hotel yeah. to find Jesus. And so if you're, you know, even questioning like with the scientific thought of your head or whatever, you know, that, you know. Some people get to like, just give it a try, like surrender that for a moment. Just like let all those worldly views leave you for a moment and just lay in the rest of that. God is, is worth giving a try. He, he's wanting to feel you. He wants to touch you. He wants to love you. Just give him a try. And I promise you, I've never met anyone 
who's truly given their life to Jesus and they've walked with Jesus. Not, and I'm not talking about like different denominations because that can cause different problems. Sure, sure, I'm sure. talking about walking with Jesus yes. that has ever come back and said, that was a bad idea. Yeah, that was a mistake. Oh, I should have never done that. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. That's a good word. Thank you. Um, and how about those who have just crossed the line when they're a brand new to faith? What would you give as a piece of advice for somebody who's brand new to this? So be willing to be vulnerable and get involved. There we go. So, you know, for me, not only do I, you know, start attending church, but I got involved with the life group. And I tell you, like, the, my life group is amazing. And not only are, is the whole group amazing, but um, there's a lot of people in that group that are mature in their faith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think it's very important to surround yourself, for me, with women that have, uh, you know, and I have a lot of women in my life that are mature in their faith. The women in my life group, um, I contact Heidi all the time. Um, my sister-in-law, you know, and, and my family that, you know, they have maturity and they're Christian. My, both, yeah, my, my whole family, uh, a lot of them are very mature in their faith. But I surround myself with them and I come to them when I'm having questions about how I should, um, you know, handle things or did I handle things correctly? Because, you know, a lot of times still to this day, I have people, they'll try to contact me I used with and I don't know how to be a Christian or how to walk with Jesus and be, uh, you know, set healthy boundaries. So yeah. usually I just tell them, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm clean now and I'm in recovery and I, I, you know, Jesus changed my life. But I asked you not to contact me right. again. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know, so that's one thing I would say, you know, get into involved with the group and yeah. get involved with, um, get a good Bible. You know, I got the study in the life, uh, an LT uh, yep. study Bible and I can't put it down like, because it's so much easier to understand. And, um, and just really like, if you want to know who God is, you got to read. Yeah. And prayer. Amen. Prayer is huge. I pray yeah. all day. I talk to God all day. I thank him for everything. I, every time I leave the grocery store, thank you, Jesus, for food. Every time I get gas, thank you, Jesus, for the money to buy gas. Yeah. Thank you for, you know, and so I just think prayer is a really big and, you know, a Bible, a good Bible. You're reading, not yeah. just, and then don't just immerse yourself with God on Sunday. Like this is a, a way of life. Full time. Yeah. That's you know, great. I listen to praise music because it's uplifting. Yeah. And um, when I'm having a hard time, I thank God. Um, I, I thank God when I'm having a good day, but I really thank him when I'm having a hard day. Like that's, you know, these are just things that you, you learn in early mm. recovery, like that blessings are abundant. Yes. And I thank him for the ones I don't even see as blessings, you yep. know? And so, and, and um, yeah, surround yourself with Christians and, and other people that are walking with Jesus and that, you know, want to see you, you know, grow in your faith. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's a great word. Um, that's all of the, the, the interview questions. So now we're going to move on to the lightning round. Are you ready? So the lightning round is that you don't have to give any answer. You don't have to give any description or any reason why you just, you can literally just answer the question. We move on to the next one. Okay. So it's awesome because it doesn't require you to explain yourself in any way because these are all opinion based questions. So there isn't there's no argument. So the first, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? I can do all things through Christ, which strengthen me. Boom. Uh, what's your favorite book of the Bible? John. And what's your favorite movie? Singing in the Rain. Oh. If you could have dinner with just one person, living or dead, who would you choose? My husband. What do you hope God says to you when you meet him? Good job. What's your favorite word? Oh, I don't remember. Grace. <laughs> What's your least favorite word? Impossible. What noise or sound do you love? The sounds of everyone praying 
in church, like when we're listening to praise music and we're doing that, you can hear everybody. Yeah. Yeah. The chorus of prayer. Yes. The out loud chorus of yes. prayer. Okay. Wow. That's beautiful. What noise or sound do you hate? Bathroom exhaust fans. <laughs> I hate them. Okay. Uh, if you weren't you being, uh, if you weren't as a, acting as a counselor right now for families in need, what would you most like to do? I would, I'd, I'd have to have some money, but I would buy a, a, a hotel and I would turn it into housing for homeless and for those that don't have anywhere to live that would have offer like, I guess like classes and, and 12 step programs in church and stuff so that they would have a place that they could get well Wow! and afford. That's incredible. Thank you. Uh, and that's it. The last thing I'm going to ask, and you can say no, the last thing I'm going to ask is if you would pray for us and our listeners. God, uh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to share your story hmm. with everyone listening. Um, because it's not my story. It's your story, God. Hmm. I just want to thank you so much for all the blessings that you bestow upon me, even the ones I don't recognize as blessings. And God, I just hope that, you know, with this testimony that it can reach somebody and they can uh, know that they are loved. Hmm. They are loved and that you are not there to judge them, but you're there to show your grace and your mercy. And I just ask you so much that you can just touch this nation and there can be a revival of the love of Jesus. Thank you so much for allowing me to be able to share my story. Thank you for everything that I've gone through that has led me to be the person that I am today. And thank you for just, just thank you for loving me. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Isn't that story just an incredible testimony of God's grace, God's power, and just the beauty of coming to know him? Friends, we hope you enjoyed the walk today. Please like, rate, review, and share our show. Blessings, everybody.